Good evening, everyone. You guys are such a friendly group. I hate to kind of shut down all the friendliness, but I've got quite a few things I want to share with you. So I know you don't want to be here all night, but uh, I just, uh, it's a real honor to be with you tonight. And Barb and I were looking forward to it when Craig extended the invitation to come and share and share about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was just like very excited. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just pray right now that you would open our spiritual ears to hear what you want to say to us through your word. Help us put aside the distractions of the day, the thoughts about tomorrow, and help us just to lean in and hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit is one of these topics that when you, you mention it, you have a wide range of thoughts right away that come. And it looks like a good-sized group here, so I'm, I'm guessing that you really wanted to learn about the Holy Spirit. There's one side, and I kind of grew up in the church this way. In fact, we just call it the Holy Ghost, which kind of scared us a little bit, like ghosts. I know about Casper the ghost, but what about this Holy Ghost? And, you know, his name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you know? But there was, like, hardly any teaching. It was, like, no real knowledge about it, just that term. Well, then I got saved, and uh, I got into more of a Pentecostal church, and it was like everything was exciting, and it was in, but it went like a little too far at times, where kind of thing any everything goes in the name of the Holy Spirit. So what's the balance? And I loved coming into Calvary, because Calvary, I believe, and we're not a perfect church, but we try to find where's the balance. And you know where we find the balance? It's not in the church. It's in the Word of God. So I hope you're ready to go. We've got a lot of scriptures to look at because we're going to look and say, what does the Bible say? Not what does Calvary Chapel say, not do what Pentecostals say or fundamentalists say. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? And I was thinking about this. I titled actually the message, The Work of the Holy Spirit, because uh, the Holy Spirit does so much. And I don't know how many of you, uh, I don't suppose you ladies have them, but guys, did you grow up with Swiss Army Knives? How many have a Swiss Army knife with them right now? Wow, that's a lot more hands than I expected. You know, these things are they're incredible, and I have a number of them, but they have, besides a knife, you know, I've got a little screwdriver, a nail file. I've got a little scissors, a tweezers, even a little pick to t pick my teeth. <laughs> I won't demonstrate that, but uh, one little tool, but multiple purposes. It's like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has multiple purposes. So we're going to look at some of those. And so let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 16. John 16, I don't think I have all the scriptures that are on the screen, but uh, most of them will be. But we're going to start in John 16, starting in verse 7. And we're going to see some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. It starts in verse 7, it says, but very truly, I tell you, this is for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus talking now. He's saying, I'm going away from you, disciples. Unless I go away, the advocate, and you're going to find the Holy Spirit has many different names. He's given us one of the names right here, the advocate. You think about what an advocate is. They're there for you. They're there to help you, okay? The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes... He will prove the world wrong about these three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
So we see right away the first thing. I believe we have it on the screen. The first thing that you're going to see that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, why is that important? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin because if, you don't, if you're not convicted of sin, why would you need a Savior? So we have to see that we are a sinner so we see a need for a Savior. So that's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. I remember when I was living in the world and I was involved in sin, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. Now, I try to excuse it. I try to, you know, drink my way to not thinking about it, but it was there. So he convicts us of sin. Next is part of the righteousness is he reveals the gospel to us so we can understand how do we become righteous? How do we become right with God? It's not by good works. It's not by attending to church. It's not by giving money. It's not by serving. It's through the work of what Jesus Christ did, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit enlightens us to what the gospel is. How do we become righteous? And the third thing the Holy Spirit does is he warns us of coming judgment. See, there is a part that the Holy Spirit does, especially for the unbeliever. There is the wrath of God. God is patient, but for only a certain time, and then he's coming back. And he's going to bring his judgment against sin. But for us who are believers, our sin was judged on the cross. Praise the Lord. But there are others who are, there is a coming judgment, and there's a place of judgment. But we don't have to go there. And so that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Now jump down to verse 12. You're there in John 16, but verse, verse 12 says this. I have much more to say to you, more than I can bear. I kind of feel the same way tonight. But when he, the spirit of truth, another name for this Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So here's a second thing the Holy Spirit does for us. You see it there in that verse, is he guides us into all truth. This is so important because, remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is the father of lies. There's deception, there's lies, and there's truth. And the world is all confused, aren't they? But the Holy Spirit is what sorts it out for us to show us what's true, what's not true. We need that more than ever because Satan is so clever. And if you don't know the truth, it's possible you'll be deceived. This is why at Calvary, we teach the Bible. We want you to know the Bible, know the Bible, because the Bible is truth. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into that truth there in verse, uh, uh, in verse 13, it says that. Now, in verse 14, it says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So right there, you see another role of the Holy Spirit. Number three is that he glorifies Christ. You know what the Holy Spirit doesn't do? He doesn't draw attention to himself. When you see the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is always pointing people to Jesus. That's his role. So we don't glorify the Holy Spirit according to Scripture. We glorify Jesus. Now, we can pray to the Holy Spirit. We can talk because he's part of Godhead. You know, he's the three in one and so forth. 
but he really doesn't draw his attention to himself. He's always pointing people to Jesus. He wants to glorify Christ, and you see that there in verse 14. Then in verse, um, also in verse 14 and 15, you see the next one, number four, is he reveals Christ to us and in us. We need to know more about Jesus, who he is, and the Holy Spirit is the one, when you're reading the Bible, the Bible comes alive, doesn't it? It's like you're reading, it's like, wow, that's the Holy Spirit enlightening us, helping us to understand who Jesus is. And so he reveals Christ to us. You see that there in that verse, because it says he will receive what he's made known to you. And at the very end, it says, Spirit will receive from me, and he will make known to you. So it's like the Holy Spirit takes from Jesus and reveals to us. So he's, again, he's, he's God, but he has a role. He has a responsibility. Now you see another one here. On the screen, you'll see he regenerates us. Number five is he regenerates us. We all know about the term being born again, right? Well, let's look at it in John 3. It says, Jesus answered, he's talking to Nicodemus. It says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. For the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Now, there's some confusion from people when they read that. They're like, what is the water part? Is that baptism? No, we know baptism doesn't save us. You look at it in the context of everything there, born of water. Uh, Ladies, if you've had a baby, you've probably had your water break, okay? That's what this is talking about because it says, then flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. So you always look at it in the context. So the water is our natural birth. So we are born, first of all, with a natural birth. Our second birth is being born again. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He regenerates us. We become born again. You know, when Adam and Eve were on the earth, and, and you see God speak to him, he says, don't eat of this fruit, because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, they didn't physically die, did they? but they died spiritually. And we all come into this world spiritually dead until we are born again by the Holy Spirit. So that's a work of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at another one. The next one is he adopts us and leads us. Number six, he adopts us and leads us. Two things here in this passage in Romans. And I know I'm going kind of quick, but I hope that you see it. It's all in the word. Romans 8, starting verse 14 on the screen, says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, that's part of what he does, he leads us, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption. We are adopted into the family of God. Into sonship, it says. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I would say the Holy Spirit has an important role, doesn't he? He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's adopting us into the family of God. This is why he's truly our father. 
Another work that we see here is that he sanctifies us. If you don't know what the word sanctify means, sometimes it's a word we really only use probably in church and it's in scripture. But the word sanctify means that we're being set apart. I look at it like this. When we got saved, you were born again, and now you begin the process of sanctification. And you know when that ends? When we get to heaven. We're in this process of sanctification. And I wish it always went like this. But usually we kind of grow for a while and then we stagnate. Maybe we go down. But the sanctification is the process that God is taking us through to grow to become more like Jesus. Let's look at it here on 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect... Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Anybody see anything interesting about those two verses? You know what you see there? You see the Trinity. Look at it again. You've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of what? God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. You see the Trinity right there. Sometimes people argue with you. You might get into, you know, discussions with Jehovah Witnesses about the Trinity. Oh, there's no Trinity. It's just Jehovah. No, there is. You see all of them there, right there. And that's just one of many places where you see them there. So the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. Oh, there's another one coming up. Next one is he empowers us. He empowers us. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. And these are some of the last words of Jesus before he ascended. If we were to continue reading in Acts 1, after I leave off on what's on the screen, you'd find he was taken up into heaven. These are probably some of his most important words to his disciples because he's getting ready to leave. You think about it. If you were getting ready to leave and see somebody for the last time, you'd really want to make sure they got the last most important thing so they didn't miss it. Starting in uh, verse... Uh, uh, four there in chapter eight, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. So what do we see there? It's not a suggestion. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, to be exact, it ended up being 10 days because he ascended on the 40th day and the day of Pentecost is when this actually happened, 50 days. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes people think, well, that term baptism of the Holy Spirit, that must just be, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll ask people all the time, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Oh, yeah. And then over at the ocean or in a bathtub. We're in, you know, and what they're talking about is water baptism. That is different. When, by the way, when we baptize you in water, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, according to uh, Matthew 28. But there's, this is something different. And you see there, he says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
That happened on the day of Pentecost, the upper room. There was 120 people up there praying, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak in tongues, other languages. And they had a power about them. And it transformed Peter so much that he went from this guy who was always like sticking his foot in his mouth, getting in trouble, you know, denying Jesus three times, to he goes out there and he gives the first sermon, the first day the church was born, 3,000 people were saved. And you see Peter changed after that. Power of the Holy Spirit. But then look at verse 8 in Acts 1. Jesus really wants to emphasize what this baptism of the Holy Spirit is. He says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That original language word upon is the word api or epi. Epi, the Greek word epi means to come upon. You know, like our skin is epidural. Okay, you have an epi pen, you're going to stick it into the skin. Epi, we, we use that word in some of our things. It means come upon. It's, it's different than when the Holy Spirit comes in us at the time of salvation. This is an empowering Holy Spirit. It gives us a power to be his witnesses. And this is where sometimes people get confused. They look at the power of the Holy Spirit is so I can jump really high, you know, so I can, you know, do all kinds of goofy stuff. The Holy Spirit will not make you weird. If you're weird, don't blame him. Okay? That's not the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit looks like, you look in Scripture. Do you see Jesus doing that? Do you see the early church doing that? Some of what you see sometimes on Christian TV in the name of the Holy Spirit. They may be well-intentional people. They may actually love Jesus. But sometimes people can just go, anything goes in the name of the Holy Spirit. You know what that does? That scares away people from the real thing. And that's why I think the enemy sometimes allows people to do that because he doesn't want God's people, the enemy doesn't want God's people to operate in the real thing. So he'll sometimes allow people to go to the extremes. So the Holy Spirit gives us a power. The next thing you see here from John 14 is he helps and counsels us. John 14, verse 15 starts and says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, we've read that before, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Remember, we're going to be adopted. We're not going to be orphans anymore. We're adopted. So in the original language, that word advocate, parakletos, in the Greek, parakletos means a comforter, a helper, a counselor. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to help us. He wants to counsel. Do you need, do you need wisdom for a decision you're about to make? The Holy Spirit wants to help you with that. He's there. He wants to help us. He's, he's really God living in us to help us to live the Christian life. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And look what it says there. You see it underlined. It says, for he lives with you and will be in you. He could not be in them yet in John 14 when he's talking to them. You know why? 
Why couldn't the Holy Spirit be in the disciples yet? Jesus hadn't died and risen from the dead yet. In fact, if you were to study John 20, after Jesus rose from the dead, he got his disciples together, and, his, and on one of the occasions, he, he breathed on them, goes, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And what happened at that particular time, the Holy Spirit came in them. That was their born-again experience that could not happen until he rose from the dead. We get it when we invite Christ to come into our lives. When we surrender to him, we become born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And if you look at the Greek words, that word, uh, he lives with you and in you. Let's look at with. That comes from the Greek word para. means alongside. You think about parallel lines, parallel parking. It's alongside. The Holy Spirit with a non-believer is alongside of them. Remember the first things we talked about? Convicting of sin, revealing the gospel, warning of judgment. That's the Holy Spirit alongside. But when we get saved, he comes in us. The Greek word there is en, E-N, and our English word in, I-N. If you know Spanish, they use the exact same word as the Greek, en, E-N. So that's what he comes into us. Now, sometimes there's confusion. People say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's not according to Scripture. That's a gift of the Spirit that comes as a result of the part of the uh, gifts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you, if you've been born again, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Is that clear to everybody? Don't let anybody ever confuse you that you don't have the Holy Spirit. But there is another experience. We read about it in Acts 1 where the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Think about what a baptism is. It's like a, you know, when you go under the water, it's like comes all over you. That's why it's called. And so the Holy Spirit comes on us. And then what we need to do is continually be filled with the Spirit. We fill, we've, we've fill with the Spirit. Um, look at Acts 4.31 on the screen. It says, after they prayed. Do we have that one? Yeah, okay. This was the early church. They'd already had the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that happened in Acts 2. So this is, you see, this happened in Acts 4. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I truly believe the true evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is greater power and boldness to live for Jesus, to witness for Jesus. That's what I see in Scripture, speaking the Word of God boldly. Now, do I believe in other gifts like tongues? Absolutely. In fact, I practice it. I pray in it. And this is a gift. It is available to you. But don't get too hung up on that one particular gift because that's what the Pentecostals, they all focus on that one gift. And I know because for 20 years I was in a Pentecostal church. That's what they focused on, always about tongues, tongues, tongues. But there's so many other gifts. There's prophecy. There's gifts such, such as uh, healings and miracles and faith. A lot of gifts. And I tend to look at the gifts are there when we need them. But they're not like a, we have this holster and all of our gifts, we can just pull them out whenever we need it. Or, no, the Holy Spirit, he knows what we need at that time and he gives us what we need. But we have to be willing to take steps of faith and use the gifts. The last thing I share with you, because we're going to uh, go into a time of prayer, 
is in, in uh, Ephesians 5.18. <coughs> it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, what? Be filled with the Spirit. Have you ever seen signs, maybe at a liquor store? I, I've seen them in different places. I don't go to bars anymore. I've seen them on the outside of the bars. We'll, we'll say wine and spirits. Oh, you've seen the same thing. Why do you think they, why do you think they call it spirits? It's a counterfeit. Think about, and I know, I used to be an alcoholic. Used to drink all the time. What did that alcohol do? It made me bold. You know, it brought joy to me. All the things the Holy Spirit wants to do, alcohol could do as well, but it was a counterfeit. But then you had consequences to it, right? There's no hangover with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. It's the real deal. Satan comes with counterfeits. And this verse right here, you see, don't get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I was teaching a group of pastors in Merritt Island Day. We had a pastor's conference, and Joey and Craig were there, and there was close to 1,000 pastors from all over southeast uh, Florida, uh, excuse me, southeast United States. And at the very end of my prayer time, I just said, I want you all to know part of my prayer every day is this. I pray that I would be emptied, emptied of selfish ambition, emptied of, of fleshly desires, and, Lord, I ask that you would fill me back up. If you go in the original language here in Ephesians 5, where it says, be filled with spirit, it means keep on being filled. It's not a one-time experience. What we want to do now, we want to transition. If you're a prayer partner, you can make your way on up to the front now. We're going to go to a time, and I think Rachel's going to be playing some background music, but we want to pray for you. My wife and I are going to be up here. Mark and Amy, Mark's one of our elders. We are here along with the prayer partners. We want to hear to pray for you. For some of you, it might be praying for the very first time. Maybe you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you never knew what that really was. Maybe you need to be filled again with the Spirit because it's been a long time since you've, you've felt that power. But we're here to pray. Nothing weird's going to happen. At least I don't think so. <laughs> but God is here. He wants to do something in your life. But I can tell you this, because I've been doing this a long time. Just like the Holy Spirit's here, wanting to draw you into a deeper, closer relationship with him, with, with, with Christ, the enemy's also here. He's going to give you a hundred reasons why not to come up. Fear. People are going to look at you. I don't understand this. All this type of stuff. You know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit was the day I got saved. I got saved at 3 in the afternoon. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that evening. I didn't know all this stuff. Nobody had taken me through all the scriptures. You know, what? they, they started talking to me. I said, hey, if, if it's a gift and God has it available, I want all that God has for me. And God baptized me in the Holy Spirit that very same day. And then I began to experience His power. And I begin to get more understanding as time goes. So would you stand? And as, we're, as Rachel is maybe leading some background music, I don't know, maybe she's going to sing. Just make your way on up so we can just pray for you. At the end, Craig, Pastor Craig's going to come up, and I think he's going to do the closing and so forth. Because We just want to be here for you now, okay? You know, Scripture tells us that uh, Jesus said, My Father is always working. 
And he's working here tonight, isn't he? The Holy Spirit is moving here tonight. You know, the thing about God is he's always pursuing us, isn't he? He's always pursuing us and he's working right now. The Holy Spirit is moving in this place tonight. But I'm going to tell you, I don't feel like he's done. I don't feel like he's done right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to fill us more. He wants to fill us to the overflow so that we can be those witnesses for him. I want to give you one more opportunity. If you need that filling of the Holy Spirit and you need that prayer, we're up here right right now for you. I want to encourage you to come up because I don't want anybody here tonight to leave without being prayed for. I want everyone here to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that He empowers you, that He guides you every step of the way as you follow Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. And then we're going to sing one last worship song. And we're going to get out of here. Right now, before we go, can we just hold our hands up? Just hold your hands up. Because we're going to hold them up. Because there's people in here that need that filling of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for being here tonight with us. We just ask that you would come upon us right now. That you would fill us afresh, anew with your Holy Spirit. Pour your Spirit out on us tonight that we would be aware, more aware of your presence than we ever have been. That you would give us a boldness to tell people about your love and your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for pursuing us. That you want a love relationship with us, an intimate relationship with each and every person in this room. Father, thank you for this time right now. Help us to be more aware of your presence. And most of all, Father, if there's anyone in this room right now that has a mountain that's in their path, we ask that we would continue to pray mountain-moving prayers for them, that the mountain would be moved, that your spirit would be on the move, and that we would be a part of that with our prayers. So Father, use this time for your glory. Fill us afresh. Fill us to the overflow.